welcome back to What's the Play. We hope your quarantine has been going as well as it could possibly go. Um, Danny and I are kind of just chilling over here, and we've actually got a really special podcast for you this time. And we've got some guests from the CQQC podcast, which stands for Canadian Quidditch Quarantine Club. And their names are Gabe, Nathan, and Brian, and they've got some really cool information about Quidditch. And I know a lot of you think of Quidditch just about the Harry Potter game in the books, and it's actually been brought to life, and it's really cool. Uh, I've been able to watch some videos and get some information from these guys, and they're just going to take it away and hopefully teach you guys something new. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Maybe we should start in an order, like have uh, Gabe speak first, and then Nathan, and then Brian, and then each of you guys can introduce yourselves um, to the audience and like just like give like a quick intro about who you are. Yeah, sure. Um, so hi everyone, uh, my name's Gabe. Um, I'm a fourth year kinesiology student at Queens. Uh, I've been playing Quidditch for oh my gosh, like four and a half years now, I guess. Um, I started my first year. Um, been playing ever since. Um, uh, growing up, my, my main sports were soccer, uh, primarily. I played all kinds of sports, but my, my big one was soccer. I'm Portuguese, so I'm a huge Ronaldo fan. Um, so yeah, and then like sort of future aspiration, I kind of want to work with like high performance sport in some capacity. So um, I'd love to see Quidditch be a professional sport one day, <laughs> whether it will be or not. We'll we'll, we'll soon find out. But uh, that'd be kind of sweet if it was. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for the, the podcast. Hi everyone, my name is Nathan. I am a uh, first year student at Ryerson University for their nutrition and food program. Um, I also attended Queen's previous for their health studies program and I've been playing Quidditch for five years now. Um, my first three and a half years was the Queen's Quidditch Club and then I switched over and played uh, for a community team um, for a semester where we won nationals and then I played for a new community team um, in Mississauga um, this past season. Um, growing up, my sports were primarily track and field, so I was a sprinter, 100, 200, 400, um, 4 by one relay, um, also a bit of hockey as well, mainly ball hockey, um, also dabbling in a bit of basketball as well, so those sports helped me um, in my Quidditch game, and for future career aspirations, my hope is to be a registered dietitian and to work with professional sports athletes, um, so it'll be a pretty cool thing to do, like Gabe said, if uh, Quidditch became a professional sports and be able to work in that field. And I guess that's left uh, with me. Uh, my name is Brian Miller here. I, uh, I'm, I've been graduated for a couple of years now. I'm like the resident old guy. Um, I went to Guelph for engineering, for biological engineering with a minor in food engineering. So I just deal with food. Uh, I currently work in daily foods as a quality control lab technician. So my life is literally buttered with cream. Uh, yeah, I, I get I get a lot of jokes about it. It's it's crazy and fun, but it's I don't know, it's something. Um, I joined Quidditch in my fourth year of university. Uh, was just kind of like, oh, what's this crazy thing? I think I saw a video of it. I knew Harry Potter growing up and kind of fell in love with the sport. Um, as far as like sports growing up, I played everything except contact sports. I played baseball. Uh, I played basketball, swimming, tennis, badminton. I was in diving, cross country running. Really, yeah, I never tried contact sports until I tried Quidditch and absolutely loved it. 
future aspirations, I don't know, get a get a better job, get a house, hopefully <laughs> just survive the quarantine. That's the goal at this point. <laughs> Thanks for the intros, guys. I guess a lot of you are probably wondering how... I know a lot of people have read the Harry Potter books, and you're wondering how Quidditch could be brought to life, and these guys have got a lot of information for you, and we're going to segue into a little um, segment called Quidditch for Noobs, and they're kind of going to explain the game as if we have no idea um, what it is and how it works, and hopefully we'll be able to kind of get up to speed with them and uh, understand the sport more. I can, I can start. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Quidditch basically is a sport that combines elements from other sports. So you have elements of handball, elements of dodgeball, and obviously the tackling aspect of rugby, which makes it full contact. Um, so it's a full contact co-ed sport. So both uh, genders, well, basically it's an all-inclusive sport, so all genders can play. Um, and on each team, there's a variety of positions. You have... Uh, what are called keepers, which are like your goalies. Um, chasers, who are your offensive players who try to score um, with a quaffle, which is uh, deflated volleyball in reality. Um, you also have beaters, who are like your defensive players. They use dodgeballs, known as bludgers in the game, to knock players off their brooms, and they're really helpful in both offense and, de- and the defensive side of the game. And then, of course, you have, um, if you're Harry Potter fans, you know, there's also seekers. And they're the ones who attempt to catch the snitch tail off the snitch runner. Um, and that will score you uh, 30 points and also end the game. Um, you guys can also I guess, chime in on that if you would like. That's kind of a general overview. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think when this sport's been going on, I think for 13 or 14 years now, and when it started, it was really Harry Potter-focused. Uh, no joke, like, capes were worn, actual brooms were used. And over the years, it's kind of really developed into this um, almost a tier of what like ultimate frisbee is right now. It's a very college-heavy sport where a lot of players are coming from university or a little bit past that. And I think we're kind of working on getting the high school kids or elementary school kids uh, involved in it. But it's really just kind of a combination of a whole bunch of different sports that uh, you really focus on the athletic side of passing, running. Um, like hard hitting contact and there's a lot of strategy with the bludgers that Nate described um, so just making sure you can get per people out of play at the right time to open up a lane or uh, create an opportunity for someone it, it's really strategic and really um, the learning curve seems sharp at the beginning but once you kind of understand what's going on the strategy just kind of comes to you and it's it becomes this whole new experience yeah, I think the biggest, like, learning curve um, when you first start the game is just learning, like, it sounds crazy, but learning how to run with, like, something between your legs and, like, trying to, like, hold on to a ball and the, like, broom between your legs. Um, and then once I think you kind of figure that out, um, it's pretty, like, you start to like, kind of figure out the strategy. And when I try to explain it to people that are new to the sport, I basically kind of break it down into, like, certain, like different games. So, and oftentimes that's what happens at practices when you're, when you're practicing with the team is, you have like the chasers and the keepers that practice together, and then you have the beaters that kind of practice on their own, and then everyone kind of comes together at the end for like a scrimmage. Because um, essentially that's what's going on. You have um, basically a game of like handball slash basketball going on one end uh, without the dribbling about. You can just kind of run like handball. 
Um, and a lot of like the strategies kind of ba- I find basketball based. Like I played a little bit of basketball growing up, so I think like learning how to like like um, set a pick and like all those kind of things are kind of very relevant to the game. Um, and just trying to score that way. And then like the the beater side of the game is basically like an ongoing game of dodgeball. Um, like they interact with the chases as well, so it kind of gets a little bit fuzzy in terms of how like they're two separate games, but. Um, essentially there's those two games and then when you have the snitch come on it's almost like another game going on there so at first it seems like a lot when you can think of like everything all at once but when you kind of break it down into individual games and you kind of like I said learn how to run with stick between your legs it's uh, um, you quickly learn how to um, understand the strategy that's associated with, uh, with Quidditch yeah. like basically it's like for newcomers and people that watch for the first time it's basically like organized chaos where there's so many things going on at once but there's like a perfect reason for everything that's going on. It's just harder for the people watching to like, be like what's going on in front of them because there's so much going on at once. But to the players playing, it makes sense what they're doing. And that's the... And just for reference, like there's, I, kinda, I, I think there's two things that really differentiate the sport as well. Actually, I'd say three. First, it's, it's co-ed in all-inclusive, all genders, all identities are welcome. Um, second... When we talk about the hoops, it's not like a basketball hoop where it's the hoop is horizontal. It's actually vertically like you see in the Harry Potter uh, movies. So you have three of them. You can score either way um, on any of them for the same amount of points. So it kind of opens up the amount of options you have a lot more. And third is the snitch like Gabe talked about before. So it sounds crazy, but it's kind of like a third-party referee who has a special pair of shorts on with a tennis ball and kind of like a sock that's Velcro to the back. And their goal for the seeker is to kind of work their way around without interfering with the snitch runner and take the, the, the tail. So it's this crazy game of almost tactics and wrestling moves without interfering with them because the snitch can do anything to the seeker almost and the seeker can't do anything back. So it's this really interesting sport that's developed inside of the game itself. But uh, yeah, you'd have to kind of see it to believe it. Yeah, I watched uh, the intro video, the Queen's video, explaining how the sport works. And I watched a bit of the like championship, like the Canadian Nationals uh, matches between Ottawa and Guelph, I believe. And it was actually really, really intense when I was watching it. Like, it's full contact. It's it's pretty fast-paced, too, I believe. And there's there's a lot of, like, trickery going on. And you can see that you've got the spin moves going on. You've got the fakes. And it's, it's really interesting to watch. And especially when, um, like, the snitch came on and the seekers, I believe, the people who chase and try and get the, the tennis ball behind... It's really interesting to see kind of the strategy like both teams have with their seekers, and because um, I believe they get thirty points if you get the yeah. tennis ball behind the back, and so that's that can change the outlook of the game really. So they do have a really important job, and um, I have like a bit of a, some questions, and uh, I guess we can move into our interview style podcast where Danny and I will alternate asking you guys questions and just trying to learn more about the sport and to give our viewers more insight. And so the first question I have for each of you to answer is what really drew you guys into the sport? I know you have different sports backgrounds, but like what made Quidditch like just click for you? 
Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go, do you want to go first, Brad? Or? Yeah, sure. I'll just jump in. Um, my like story of it's super long, but like like the Spark Notes version is like I remember seeing it like walking by like Aquatic Wealth in my first year. I was like, oh, what's those crazy people doing on this pitch? Uh, fast forward like another three years later, after like living at home and commuting to school for a couple of years. Um, I didn't get a job working as a lifeguard and was like, oh, what am I going to do? I need something to like keep myself occupied, like engaged and like in, in shape. And I saw those people walking around uh, advertising Quidditch and I was like, that's from Harry Potter. I read Harry Potter. I know exactly what this is. Watched some videos online and immediately was just like, yes, I know I, I can do this. I know this is for me. And now five years later, I want a podcast with friends. I'm playing for Team Canada. I'm play. I coach a couple of teams. Like it's, it's kind of become this whole crazy. Just like you dive straight in and you just fall in love with it. That's yeah, awesome. So, um, for me, it was like kind of, kind of a little bit different than Brian in the sense that like I originally did it more as a joke. I think. Um, <laughs> so like I said, I came from like a soccer background. I was a huge soccer guy. Um, I originally had the intentions of. Uh, playing varsity when I first came um, and then in my program they have something called a mini stream um, which kind of allows you to work alongside the varsity athletes um, so they're like mini stream in the sense that it's um, it's a certain program uh, so there it's like strength and conditioning or athletic therapy um, you can work with the team and kind of as like a student trainer so originally that was like my goal is I wanted to do that I would heard that you can't really do it's a big commitment between varsity sport and then also being a student trainer for another team. So you can really balance the two. So I said, you know what, I'd rather kind of focus on doing the mainstream. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, but at the same time, uh, for me, like intramural soccer was <laughs> kind of a little bit of a goons league a little bit with some of the, some of the people in the league. So I was kind of like, you know what, this is kind of a little bit risky. So I kind of just played a little more chill and I played one of like lower intramural leagues just to have fun with it. And, um, but I still, I still, I really miss like the team aspect of sport um, like I said, growing up, like I always played with some sort of competitive team, whether it was high school or a like, travel team. Um, and you really, really do miss that going into, especially first year, I was, I was away from home and, um, like, kind of far away from family. So I was kind of, I was kind of like, you know what, I need, to, I need to be part of something. Um, so I remember going to the, um, the club fair they have, uh, at Queens. I think a lot of universities will kind of host it during a week. Um, and I remember specifically, uh, Kyle who's who's the captain at the time. Kind of standing there, and you know, you kind of when you're walking through a booth, you kind of do that little like kind of shimmy around. You don't want people to see. You don't want to make eye contact. And he kind of made eye contact with me. I was like, oh, here we go. And I looked at it, and I'm like, is this for real? Like, because I, I knew what Quidditch, obviously I knew what Quidditch was, and I assumed I automatically assumed it was Harry Potter. And he kind of gave me a little spiel. And I saw uh, Big Matt, kind of you know, like a, we call him Big Matt, uh, but uh, pretty pretty big guy with a athletic. I was like, all right, you know, I'll give it a try. Um, so I went to tryouts um, again. I thought it was the other joke. Tried it out realize how like this is actually kind of kind of fun um and long story short I'm still playing today um and yeah like i said it's it i think i think for a lot of people that like, kind of coming from competitive sports like i said it's just getting getting out of your head that it's harry potter and like, you're not like, you're not flying but um but, you know i originally i that's my kind of spiel as I, I i i thought it was a joke when i first tried it and here i am now playing one national title with the otters and kind of just gone with it yeah, for me, it's, I guess, a bit similar in some respects to Gabe's um, introduction to the sport. So for me, I'm uh, not a Harry Potter fan at all. Uh, I only watched a couple of the movies, never read any of the books. Um, and I heard about Quidditch um, the summer before starting at Queens. Um, I had a bit of an idea of what it was about, but not entirely 
like how the game is played and whatnot, but I just knew that the school has um, a sports team for that. Um, so going into orientation week as well, um, back in 2015, uh, they had like a clubs event or club night in the main gym. And so, like Gabe said, Big Matt was there for my year as well. Um, and so I walked up to the booth with a couple of my friends, and they kind of um, talked to me about the sport and how it's played and all that stuff, and about the upcoming tryouts that they had going on later that week or the following week. So I decided to show up and try the game out, and basically fell in love with the sport the moment I started playing it. Um, obviously, it wasn't that good at the start, but over time, I was able to develop my skills and become a better player overall. And as well with that, I was able to basically find my main group of friends um, at university um, and basically a good chunk of them became like um, part of my family I guess um, pretty close with some of those players um, that I first met back in 2015 and still close with them today um, and I've gotten the chance to play with some, with some, uh, some of them in the summer league um, called MLQ with the Ottawa Black Bears uh, a couple summers and then um, yeah, like Gabe and Brian said, I won a national championship. I was able to represent uh, Team Canada East uh, last summer um, for the Pan Am Games. Um, so I've been playing for Quidditch five years now. Um, loving the sport. Um, got some injuries from playing it, but um, I'll definitely keep it going for, I guess for the next few years and see where I'm at at that point. But so far, I'm definitely loving it, and I definitely encourage um, people who are interested um, in checking the sport out to definitely do that. It's definitely a good life decision, I'd say. One thing uh, that's really interesting, especially um, listening to you guys, um, especially Nathan and Gabe, uh, who came from other sports previously. Um, I'm, I really like your description as to how you said it's kind of like three games kind of simultaneously going on. That's something I noticed as well when I was watching uh, the videos that you guys sent us, um, which made it really interesting and made it seem like there's a lot of strategy involved as well. Um, especially for you guys coming from other, sport, from other sports, I'm wondering what you guys think is like the most prominent physical skill that you think is involved in Quidditch. Um, for example, like basketball is kind of a game that selects for height. Um, game like football is like more speed oriented. I'm wondering what you think that like our skills may be coming from other sports that you think translate really well. I think it also depends on what like position and like what role you feel. Like the game, like, like you said, the game's super like multiple things going on, multiple balls flying everywhere. People are like running around like crazy people. Um, but like, depending on what you do, there's different things that are important. I would say like in general, just hand-eye coordination, like the better you have, you can just apply it to anything, rather catching, throwing, um, just kind of putting yourself in a position, to, like even just to block, if you like someone throws a, a bludger at you, you can block it with a quaffle or another bludger. Um, but I think just hand-eye coordination, it's a very translatable skill through like any other sport. But, like, it really shows the players who have that athletic ability to utilize it and just kind of be there, be at the right place at the right time and score or, or just do their job properly. Yeah, I also find that um, athletes who have, like, good cardio and good endurance are definitely would definitely benefit and definitely succeed, have more success in the sport just because it's fast-paced and, it's like, basketball and hockey where it's just they go in back and forth, offense, defense, um, whistle, whistle. So you definitely want to be able to keep up with everything going on. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that's a, an element um, that you'd want to find in an athlete um, for the sport. Yeah, I think, um, like, like Brian was saying, it really depends on position. Like I know personally, um, and you'll see, you'll often see, like generally speaking, the keeper, who's the guy with the green headband, 
because um, each had been, and I don't know if you kind of caught on to that, but each had been in the game is in like a different position. Uh, but generally speaking, like you'll see, the keepers are generally uh, pretty tall. Um, if never not tall, they're pretty like pretty big. Like they can, they're often the ones that are driving through a lot of people, so they're generally bigger guys. So like myself, I I started as a chaser, and then once you kind of learn the game, they kind of shift you towards being a keeper um, because they're often also going to be the ones during um, the, like the big kind of drivers from the O team. They're going to have to tackle them within a short uh, like space. Um, obviously, one thing we, we debate a lot, on, a lot on our podcast is in QC, we're only allowed to one-arm tackle, uh, whereas in MLQ, which is the summer league, kind of briefly mentioned, you're allowed to two-arm tackle, so that's also another thing you have to consider. So being able to be a bigger a bigger body in the way um, as a keeper is and only tackle with one arm is pretty pretty big advantage because you're often going to have to stop people that are running at full speed and you're kind of almost at a dead stop, which is pretty hard if you're a smaller, smaller person. So generally speaking, you want to have bigger people at certain positions. Um, I guess... In general, I think having experience in a contact sport would be huge. Um, I, I guess I like kind of like what Brian was saying. I've never played a contact sport. Um, I had a lot like I had coaches ask me to play football, but I, I like I said I was a huge real football fan, I guess if you will. Um, so like, that was kind of not something I, I really considered. But um, I think the big carryover for me with soccer was just the ability to because um, I also did play a little bit of like hockey here and there, but. Um, the big takeaway for me was just like positioning, like on the field, um, and I think that's like because I, I guess you can kind of contribute a lot of it to basketball as well. Because like I said, in basketball, you're kind of setting picks and you're kind of rolling off screens. There's a lot of that in Quidditch, especially when you get to the higher level. Um, so it's like it's kind of a little bit of everything. And I, but I, in terms of like like what kind of what Nate was saying, I think being able to be like physically fit. I think a lot of people think like oh like you just kind of like hop in the game, and sometimes you can, but generally speaking, you want to be somewhat fit because there's water running involved. Um, but I think, like for example, even like a, a, uh, a seeker, generally speaking, they're pretty. Uh, it's like very cardio intensive. Like I know a lot of them, um, they'll just do suicides, kind of, because it's basically just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, so I mean, it, it really kind of depends on the position. But generally speaking, I think, um, like I said, keepers are generally bigger guys, taller guys, um, um, and girls, because girls can play the position as well. And then like seekers and like, just in general, you want to be somewhat. I'll have somewhat of a decent like amount of cardio, I guess. Yeah, and also like one more note to that as well, especially because the rosters are like twenty-one man rosters. You don't want to have like twenty-one players of the same body type, same scales, all that stuff. So you definitely want to have a variety of like um, taller players, uh, bigger players, faster players, um, players from like different sporting backgrounds, like team sports, and all that stuff. Um, which definitely like also makes it a pretty fun game to play because like like we mentioned before, it's all inclusive. Um, so like. Basically, anyone um, can pick up the sport and jump into it and kind of pick on relatively um, quickly over time. I, yeah, I would just chip in like exactly what Nathan said. Like, if you think like like hockey lineups, you kind of see like line, you have lines of people that you send out like in succession, and like not necessarily it's different strategy for each team, but like like you have certain players who fill a role. Like, hey, you're gonna go and hit someone. That's your job. Go and do it. Like, hey, you're fast. Like, we're gonna get you the ball, and you're gonna run. Hey, you're like, you're super sneaky, and you have really good hand-eye like coordination or positioning. Be ready, and you're gonna be like the finisher who like stands by the net and gets that ball and puts it through. It's all, it's it's really evolved from a, a game of like Harry Potter fans to like real athletes. And there's like varsity athletes or players who maybe got cut or got tired of varsity sports or whatever whatever they were doing in university or like after high school and they join and they are serious athletes so yeah 
That's really interesting and kind of like goes into my next question. And I know in sports, we always like to like look at the players who are the best and the most talented and kind of like idolize them. And I wanted to ask you guys, like each of you who your favorite or like the most talented player you've ever watched or played against. And I phrase this in a way so you can't say yourself. <laughs> Did you say someone that you played with in the past? Or would you want like an opponent primarily? Like anyone, anyone. Okay, so for me, I guess I have a couple. Um, so someone that I played with in the summer with the Ottawa Black Bears and also um, that uh, year we won national championships playing for the Ottawa Otters would be a player named Robin Fortune. Um, she played for McGill in previous years, their university team, and then played for the Otters. Um, definitely someone who's easy to play with. She has a pretty high sports IQ in general, um, understands the game of Quidditch really well. Uh, one of the top female players, or just one of the top players, I'd say, regardless of gender, in the country. Um, really good hands, really good finisher by the hoops, but also she's a shorter player, but she's also um, very strong for her size. And... Um, my experience with playing with her, it's been pretty easy just having that, um, I guess that synergy or that, that chemistry playing with her. And it's been pretty, we've had, I guess, a good amount of success, obviously winning nationals. Um, so I'd definitely say she's one of my favorite players to play with. And then opponent wise would be kind of like someone I kind of want to model my game after, or I model my game after a bit and kind of, I guess, compare myself to would be, um, Jeremy Burroughs from Guelph University. He's a chaser like myself. We have some players in the game being both, I guess, fast players, um, being able to play offense and defense pretty well, and usually really yeah, well defense. Um, I guess number one option in terms of scoring. So I've definitely watched a lot of footage from him to kind of um, figure out how I can improve my own game and kind of um, get a fun from him. Uh, I'll go next, I guess. Um, I would say, so favorite player that I've played with was probably my buddy Zach McDonald. He's currently probably the best beater in Canada. Um, he, like, I, me and him, like, joined at the same time for Guelph. We basically played three years together. We're now coaching together for the MLQ, um, Toronto Summer League team. Um, but we've been good friends for years, and he's, like, an absolutely fantastic player. He played baseball, I played baseball. We have a lot of similarity in our kind of, like, scoring background. We know how to, like, balance ideas off each other, although we play, like, like, he plays beater, I play keeper. So we're not really playing the same position, but we understand how you need to think in a sport. And I think we balance each other out really well. As far as, like, favorite player I've played against, I've played against Augustine Monroe, who's, like, the top player in the world of, like, all time, basically. Um, I played against him, what, like, with Nate at uh, Team Canada in the Pan Ams last summer. And the guy is... He's completely different play style of what I do. Like I'm a I'm 6'3", 215, 220 pounds. Like I'm a big guy. I'm just gonna push through people. Um, but he's just an absolute like arrow. He can get through anyone. Uh, he can shoot. He can pass. He can drive. He can keep plays every position that like is on the field, and he'll play it at the highest level. And like that level of just knowing what to do and like be able to just go out and do it is. It's incredible to see someone dominate like that. Yeah, um, I'll go with a kind of different route. Um, uh, Brian kind of touched on it there with uh, Augustine's American. Um, the Americans are obviously 
right now in the Quidditch world is pretty dominant. Um, kind of running away with running away with the show like a lot of other sports, I guess. But um, in terms of like uh, top players I played against, um, there's a lot of great Canadian talent that kind of brought in Nate alluded to. But um, for me, I would say like best female player I've ever seen play, like absolute like talking absolute baller is um, Lindsay Morella um, in the states um, playing with the Black Bears and. Uh, we're in the East Division in MLQ. Uh, she plays with the, the New York Titans. New York, yeah, New York. Um, yeah, on absolute, absolutely unbelievable. Like, oftentimes uh, we talk about like the unmarked chaser mm-hmm. in Quidditch, and she, like you don't, you don't want to leave her kind of on, like open around there. She'll just like take any pass and just like make you look look silly a lot of times. Um, so uh, shout out to her. And I think one player I try to model my game around in terms of being able to like dish like around the hoops is. Um, Maybe not, maybe not so much as like physical ability, but he's just like a really smart, uh, smart guy in terms of, like I said, being able to pass. Is uh, Jake Archibald? He plays with uh, Boston. Um, also another keeper. Um, he has a great shot as well. Something I'm kind of working on um, in the quarantine, I guess. But um, he's really, really good at being able to like shoot like the long shot. Um, like I said, really good at passing around the hoops. Um, in terms of favorite player I played with, uh, I could probably go back to Queens. Um, and uh, shout out my boy uh, Michael Beta. Um, <clears throat> we call him the human. Human Gecko in the Quidditch, Quidditch Canada. He's he got on unreal hands. He's a receiver. Uh, football. The guy's like like for a freaking nature, I guess. Like he comes to Quidditch, like he's able to you throw him a ball, he'll reach out and grab it like with one hand and just like it'll stick to him. It's it's crazy. Um, great guy as well. So <clears throat> yeah, I'd say those those are probably like my top like best players I've seen play, and then also like for like my, my position anyways, and then um, favorite player probably Mike Bitta. Awesome. No, I think that's great. Um, it's always important for a growing sport to have a few stars that people can kind of latch themselves to, um, which leads to my next question really well about for a growing sport, it's it's important to have a lot of people that want to play the sport, but I think it's just as important to have a lot of people that want to watch it as well. Um, so I was curious to ask you guys what you think it is about the viewing experience of Quidditch that's maybe the most different from other sports or maybe even really similar um, to other sports that you think is going to draw a lot of people in? Um, is it like maybe it has to do with strategy or what, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I, I chip in and say, like, there's a different part of it. Like, you got to understand kind of a little bit what's going on. But, like, when you you understand that there's kind of... <laughs> it's so complicated because, like, when we talk about there's multiple games going on within the game, um, you don't want to separate it. Like, if you're separating and, like, one group of people are going against another group and then you have another set of people going against another set, you're not really doing well. Like, you want to integrate all these positions and take advantage of every bit of, like, gameplay there is. And, like, positioning properly, like, using the proper strategies, it's awesome. And once you learn to see that, it's this amazing thing to watch. Um, I think from the viewing side, it's been really interesting because as we've like talked about before, MLQ is like summer league and they've been like expanding across U S and Canada. And I think the the crazy thing is it's a lot of like players playing at a higher level. So you have some of the best players from every team um, coming together from the, for that like region, like in Toronto, we have the Toronto Raiders. So everyone from like Toronto, Guelph, Waterloo, Hamilton, Mississauga, all those kind of areas are all together. Um, so you have the super team, but like they 
kind of expand on what you want to reach. So like they have higher camera angles that are getting better views of the field. You have scoreboards set up that allow people to see things a lot easier. Like starting from a sport that like really started from like university kids just walking out of their dorms and throwing a ball around. It's really getting to that level of like, wow, there really is something there. And I think as kind of people understand the rules a little bit more, like just from a base level of like, oh, you want to throw the ball through the hoop. These people get um, these people out of play. Awesome. Like once they understand that, it's a crazy and awesome viewing experience. Yeah, I think I think the best way to think about the growth of Quidditch is kind of like what Ryan was saying earlier about comparing it to like Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah, it's just great it's like to think about where Quidditch could be, like being a professional league, all kind of like the little kind of um, dreamy type situations. But I think um, it's Quidditch is still very much in its infancy stage. Um, I don't think people realize how like how how silly Quidditch used to be. Like what Brian was saying with like off 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 uh, off secret, off snitch play and all like capes and all that kind of stuff, like really really nerdy kind of stuff. To now where it is, we're talking about two arm tackling. We're talking about. Um, like like Brian was saying, with having with the professional like in, in the the European version of the MLQ, they have they call it QPL. They had a professional broadcast, so they had um, like people going into stands, interviewing interviewing players after the game, that kind of stuff. And I see it go towards, and the fact that it's already kind of being started and like tested and tried is is great. Um, I think the next kind of phase for Quidditch, um, at least in Canada, anyways, is um, kind of sh- showing up our own. The university leagues. We also a lot. We want a lot of what we talk about in our podcast is just kind of where we want to see the structure of the league go, especially with quarantine and going on and whatnot. Just kind of thinking about what's going to best for the university game, and um, especially with a lot, a lot of community teams that play in our league as well. And talking about if we'd eventually get towards separation, I think there's a lot, that's still a ways away of discussion from that. But I think um, kind of educating educating um, the public about the sport is huge. So going to fan expos and going to those like sporting kind of um, shows and um, and then eventually there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of really great work with the youth as well so hosting like Quidditch parties and um, starting up like Quidditch leagues I think that's the next logical progression um, going into high schools going to elementary schools trying to push the sport to that level um, and then eventually like even I mean I, I, would, I think it's great I think it would be awesome to have like high school recruits kind of going to picking universities based on Quidditch and that sounds silly but um, I think that'd be kind of really cool. And so, like, I think that's probably the next logical step um, before it goes pro. Um, but, uh, well, I mean, technically, I mean, I don't know if you'll notice, but MLQ defines itself as semi-pro because some players do get paid through, like, very, very small amounts of money. But, I mean, hey, it's, it's, it's growing somewhere. But I think, like I said, it's, it's still definitely in the infancy stage. Um, but there's lots of great stuff going on in the Quidditch community, like I said, especially now with everything going on in the world. Um, so hopefully we can kind of keep the conversation going as we kind of – get on past this whole quarantine thing and uh, see where it goes from there. Yeah, Real quick, uh, chime in. But we have a lot of teachers as well, so like that's really being a big help on like getting all those kids like, hey, like, hey, what are we going to do for gym class? Let's play footage. There you go. Nice and simple. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, so I feel like with Quidditch Canada for the Canadian League, you definitely do a good job with your tournaments. Basically, um, yeah, just a nationalist to make it right now. Like, you have... Um, games being live streamed like the ones the clips we sent you guys where we have commentators commenting on the games um, pretty good video quality um, so definitely you definitely feel like like a, I guess a semi-pro athlete when you're playing at those tournaments and for viewers um, they definitely are able to 
um, enjoy the games comfortably um, in those environments. They, have to, they definitely have like a lot of surrounded like um, I wouldn't say I don't know what the word is like perks or like um, things to kind of draw people in into that city and to like kind of join the weekend of Quidditch for those kind of major tournaments. Um, and like with the summer league of the major league Quidditch, um, once again with that, like you're definitely for players at least you're able to. Um, really learn and, and grow from playing against those um, American teams, and um, just because you're playing the best of the best, and obviously they're the best country, like Gabe said, um, you're able to really grow as a player um, and take those skills that you learn um, playing in those leagues and going back into your university teams in the fall and kind of bringing what you learned from the summer into to the upcoming season. Um, kind of like how Gabe mentioned, for like the growth of the sport in the country, I feel like. Um, we definitely want to continue to, um, I guess, add more teams in the league. Um, compared to the States, there's obviously not that many teams um, in Canada, but we definitely have a lot of more um, community teams being um, started up by players that graduated from their university teams. So that's definitely good to see, and a continuation of that would definitely help the growth of the sport in that regard. Um, and then as well, um, I guess what Gabe said as well about the high school recruitment, I feel like if we're able to introduce Quidditch at an earlier time in your life, because basically all of us, we found about found out about Quidditch once we started university. So you have, like, um, I guess those first 18 years at some point, if you're able to introduce Quidditch earlier, whether it's elementary school, middle school, high school, um, it definitely helps with the exposure of the sport and able to, I guess, recognize the sport and be more familiar with it um, before you hit that university level. Yeah, it'd be definitely cool to see the sport grow. I know, like, Danny and I had... Never really heard about it before. Like, obviously, we knew from, like, the Harry Potter books and movies, but um, we didn't know it was brought to real life. And it actually, it looks pretty cool watching videos. And um, if you're listening to this, we'll have videos in the description below that you can click and check out some highlights and some intro videos about the sport as well. And uh, just my next question, I wanted to ask you guys your favorite moment playing Quidditch. I know, Nathan, you said you won a championship and it'll be, or even just any funny story you have. Uh, I have a couple favorite moments. So one of them would definitely be winning um, national championship. That was in my uh, fourth year um, of Quidditch. So like in my first three and a half years, I play on Queens and there's kind of a funny joke goes on that for Queens, we could never finish higher than fifth place just because the matchup that we get in the quarterfinals. So it was kind of been three and a half years of just finishing fifth place and then getting the opportunity to play for the Auto Otters and um, obviously get past the quarterfinals and then being able to beat um, one of the best two teams in the country at that time um, in the semis and then for the first time in my career as well, or second time, I guess, and then um, go ahead and win the national championship in overtime, which is a very intense moment, but... Just having that experience, um, I guess, making it to the end of the, I guess, to the top of the mountain. Um, um, I guess, like, yeah, basically achieving the highest point you can in Quidditch Canada. Um, and then in terms of winning, and then another favorite moment would be with the Major League Quidditch, um, playing for the Ottawa Black Bears. Um, being in the division that we are in, we are with uh, Boston, New York, um, Washington um, at the time, and they're all better than us, the Ottawa Black Bears. So we always finish basically dead last in the division, and if not the whole league. Um, but one year we were able to um, win a series against the Washington Admirals um, down in New York for a Super Series. And 
that was the first time that the Ottawa Black Bears um, qualified for the Major League Championship um, weekend tournament. Um, so it's definitely a fun experience to be a part of that team and then kind of make history in, in, in that regard. I'll say on my end, like, yeah, me, Nate, and Gabe were all on that, like, the championship team. That's kind of how we got to know each other. There's, like, a, I could say, like, a thousand different life stories. Like, oh, I remember, like, when I played for Team Canada or, like, went down and played against this team or that team or won this. Um, I think there's a lot of footage that, like, there's just stuff that happens, like, in between, rather going to tournaments or, or coming back or, like, whatever. Um, last summer, like, playing with Toronto, we qualified for the MLQ championships. And me and my buddy Zach and another player, uh, Stevie, we were scheduled to go and fly down uh, on a Friday, like, afternoon or evening. Everything turned, like, just t- turned to garbage. And we got delayed like three hours. Then our flight like arrived in New York. We found out our flight got delayed till like the next morning at like eight eight thirty in the morning. We're like, can we rent a car? The air, like air service was useless. We eventually found a car. We rented it and literally drove from like LaGuardia through New York, down New Jersey, through like just all the way down to Richmond, Virginia, and we drove through the night to go play Quidditch. And it was like this is crazy. Like years ago, I wouldn't have imagined doing it, but like I look back and like it was me and my friends going and doing something together and like through the middle of the night driving, uh, driving through Baltimore and like crazy people running across the road and just, just all the stuff that happens like on the way to play these games. And we look back on it and we're like, yeah, we are going to go play Quidditch and we know that's what it was for. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a great community, great group of people, and just crazy stuff happens. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much mirror a lot of what the guys already said. Um, obviously, winning nationals was huge, huge accomplishment for all of us. Um, and then I kind of mirroring what Nate was saying about Ottawa Blackbirds. I don't think people realize, like, at the time, Ottawa was the only Canadian team in MLQ, and I think they were kind of, we were we were kind of there as, as more of a just like a yeah you guys have a you guys have a Canadian team you can't complain kind of thing. Um, so winning against American teams, I've never been so hyped in my entire life. And I, I know it sounds crazy coming from all the sports we like played growing up, but it was just like probably one of the most surreal sporting moments like I've ever been part of besides like nationals because it was just like we beat you, ha ha. Like it was just it was just, <laughs> it was just unbelievable. Technically, I actually got red carded from that game because it was a, a heated moment, but. <laughs> uh, just being able to like run onto the field and be like, "Yes, we did it!" Like, we're, like we're, we can we can play. It was just it was awesome. Um, to be kind of different, I think another big game. Looking back on it now, it's you can say it was great at the time. It really sucked for us because we lost. But um, being able to play in 2018, we had nationals in Hamilton at uh, Ticat Stadium. So Ticat's playing the CFL. So obviously that was a really really cool experience. Um, and we actually got we were in the group of death, is what they called it. Uh, so back then, this like the way the seating kind of worked. It was we basically played all the best teams. Like at the time, we were pretty. We were we were one of the favorites to at least compete for a medal. Um, and like kind of when he was saying that we always kind of finished fifth, that was kind of a joke because um, we actually <laughs> always did finish fifth. But uh, no, it was um, it was a quarterfinal game against a Brian team Guelph, and it was just honestly probably probably one of the most intense besides like the, the semifinal and final game with uh, Otters. We were nationals. Probably one of the most intense like 
pure university team uh, game I've ever been part of. It was like back and forth, like snitch on pitch. If, if you get a chance to watch it on YouTube, it's I think it's probably one of the top top Quidditch Canada like <laughs> viewed videos. It's it's it's, it's great Quidditch, uh, unbelievable game. Um, I've I still feel the pain watching it back, but um, no, it was just unbelievable. Uh, great game by both teams. In terms of funniest Quidditch stories, I'm trying to think. Like Brian, Brian was saying, a lot of like most most of the funny stuff happens like on the road trips you go on. Like I like, kind of like mirroring what Brian was saying about um, like going to um, MLQ Championships. Um, when uh, where I was with the Ottawa Blackbirds, we drove because we had to drive to Boston, um, and I remember driving. I don't think I don't no, I don't think Nate was with me, but I think. I was with a bunch of other um, players on the team, and we drove. We drove through. It was like I was driving at night, and I think it was with one us, uh, Sammy, Sammy G, who was played with the Queens. But uh, it was just, oh, oh my god, it was it was crazy. It was pitch black. I've never driven in the states before. Driving my car was like it started pouring rain. Just like those like stories where you look back and it's just like, wow, I can't believe I actually did that. And, um, funniest like actual Quidditch on field story I would say is probably like I was like one of my first second. Like, I think it was my first first game actually. Um, I, I I got two, I got two yellow cards in that game, and it was it was a really really muddy tournament um, in Carlton, and I like I we didn't like I knew the rules enough to play, but I didn't really know some of like, the like, small nuances, and I got, got two yellow cards like pretty much back to back. So I got a red card in my first game, and it was just I was so devastated, I felt so bad for the team, and they're all kind of saying, "Don't worry, you didn't know the rules," but it's just like it's just silly stuff like that where not being not playing the sport until you're in university just kind of to show you that even though you've never played it before it's everyone makes mistakes and like i said it's still it's still a relatively young sport so um yeah that's really cool that's really funny to hear um <laughs> you getting those yellow cards in your first game i guess my next question is just kind of a fun one i feel like one of like the newest the most unique thing about quidditch is the broom and i was just watching the videos uh, such a simple question but like what is it like to run with it like <laughs> So for me, like, I guess after playing for so many years, you kind of don't know it's there. Like, you know it's there, but you can't really, like, for me, I, can't, I don't feel it, I guess. Um, yeah. I have to run up and down the pitch, and I know it's there between my legs. Um, besides when I have to, like, do squeeze, squeeze between my legs when I have to catch a ball with two hands, like for an alley or something, that I know, like, I have to feel it in that, in that regard. But, yeah, like, after playing for a few years, you kind of just... Like, I guess the awkwardness of having it between your legs kind of goes away, and it's kind of just normal at that point. Yeah, I would say, like, I think you, if you, like, if you're at a university and you've been there a couple of years, and, like, let's say it's your final year there, you can almost, like, look at a practice and be like, that person the first year, that person the second year, that person the third year, <laughs> just because the way of how comfortable they seem by the room. Like, a lot of it is just, like, I have to walk or I have to run with my legs like, a little bit farther apart. I have to know the, like, squeeze my thighs if I, like, jump up for a ball. But, like, yeah, it just becomes second nature after a little while, and you just kind of, like, don't really notice it. Especially, like, uh, like oh, I think, like, all three of us have big enough hands that, like, when we grab the ball, we really only have to grab it with one hand, and we just, the other hand's holding the broom, and we just do our thing and go out and be perfectly fine. But, like, yeah, if you have to go two hands, it's kind of a little bit, like, you'd think you'd be, like, doing, like, an awkward duck waddle somewhat. But, yeah, you just kind of get used to it, and really, you, you don't notice that for a while. Yeah, it's kind of funny to say that, because I remember my first tryout um, at Queen's, we, like, they try to integrate all the players together. So, at the time, I remember going there, and like I said, never playing before, and 
we're just kind of dropped the qualify and we're just throwing it around. And you can you can tell who the who the players were at the time. I had no idea those people had actually played before, but they're all kind of having one hand behind their back and catching with one hand. And I'm like, why are they doing that? I'm gonna catch you with two hands. Like, what is this? But then once they finally introduced the brooms, and you can just like see it, like especially myself, I remember like them giving me this like this stick, and I'm like, what is this? And like I like, I was looking around to see what everyone else was doing, and like they're putting it between the legs. So I, I like I vividly remember taking the broom and going like. Like, like actually like like putting it down to my legs and being like okay this is awkward and uh but yeah no like we're saying like you like, when you first go to a tryout or like first time someone's learning the sport you can easily tell who the rookies are who like the vets are because you can like it's just it's very obvious based on how they're like walking with the broom they're kind of like they're like literally waddling some of them with the broom between their legs so they don't really realize you can have the other hand on the broom and not actually have to squeeze in your legs um but yeah it's and like because because Quidditch is trying to become all fancy and everything like that, like there's some, I think it was Quidditch Canada. They had these like fancy like almost S shaped kind of rooms. I remember that was a thing for a while, and it was like I remember the first time I ever like held it. It's kind of like it was like kind of like a like a shaft, like a handle, and it goes down almost as if it's like a seat, and then like it goes back up the other way. So I remember <laughs> the first time I saw that. I think it was my second second or second or third year, and it was it was the weirdest thing. And I'm like, what is this? And it was just I'm trying to be innovative and trying to come up with different ways of doing it. So. Like, like I said, it's it's all like a learning curve at the first, at the start. It's kind of awkward, but once you kind of learn how to like start practicing with one hand and kind of doing like grip strength kind of stuff with one hand, and you can it, it like I said, it becomes second nature. So, I'll, I'll chime in real quick. Also, just to point out, um, with the broom, like it obviously originated with the whole Harry Potter origin thing, but I think what it is now in the sport is kind of a it's more of a handicap to make sure the, the sport's a little bit more difficult, and it kind of evens the playing field amongst everyone. Like I'm six foot three, I'm big. If you have someone who's like five foot nothing and like a hundred pounds soaking wet, like I don't want to hit that person to the point where like I am like blowing them up because that's not necessary. And if like if I didn't have like a broom between my legs to kind of slow me down, like yeah, it would be like a little bit more dangerous. But with that there, it's a handicap that really kind of levels the playing field for everyone, and it becomes more of a game of skill, not size. Size is obviously still important, but it, it, it really shows that importance of, like, I'm comfortable with this, I can move my feet properly, I can get myself in a good position and go from there. I feel like that's really important for an all-inclusive sport as well, and just making sure that everyone can be, like, part of the game in some way, and obviously with, like, the different positions and everything, and uh, just thinking about the broom in, in that respect is, is pretty cool. And it definitely make sure like everyone can get involved if they want to. And that kind of leads into my next question, which is what would you say is the best way for like someone like Danny and I who are noobs to get into the sport? Um, I would, if you're going to university right now, I think the easiest way is to try and reach out to like, see if there is a team at university or college. That's probably the like best bet going forward. Um, right off the bat, if not, there is Quidditch Canada, which is super easy to Google, super easy to reach out onto on like Facebook or email, or I think Twitter as well, or Instagram, whatever like crazy new social media is out there. But they should have it, and they can easily direct you to rather a community team or teams in the area that can help you out or someone. Like this is across the country. There's teams in BC. There's teams in Alberta. Um, I believe there's some teams 
in Manitoba and Saskatchewan that are unofficial because of uh, distance or size. Ontario has plenty of teams, Quebec as well. I think out east there used to be teams. I can't remember what the status of them is now, but they're definitely a great resource that can really help anyone um, get started and get them in contact with people that can help them get started. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd mirror Brian saying like just uh, easiest way. Unfortunately, right now it's primarily university based, uh, but like we were saying before, there are Quidditch, there are uh, community Quidditch teams as well. So in Toronto, there is. Uh, we mentioned a couple times Valhalla, so they're the Toronto community uh, community Quidditch team. Uh, there's also recently the Mississauga Mantis, that's Brian's team. Um, so they're also kind of in the GCA area, if that's where you're kind of located. Um, there was, like, the Ottawa Waters that kind of disbanded, but I think they'll kind of probably slowly start to reform as we get more graduates coming through. Um, there's also, uh, in Montreal, you have the Flamingos. So if you're in, like, the East area, they're a uh, great, uh, very comical uh, team oh. in the Quidditch community. <laughs> Uh, there's lots of. I'm surprised I didn't actually mention that. There's some pretty, they have some pretty funny antics that they kind of go through uh, pre-game that uh, um, you have to kind of see to believe. But uh, yeah, there's definitely community teams as well. And I think um, MLQ doesn't get enough credit in Canada. I think it's slowly getting better. I think that the introduction of the Toronto Raiders is huge uh, for Canadian Quidditch. Um, but uh, that's like the, like we're saying, it's a summer league. Um, we try to get players, even just like in Quidditch Canada, to get involved because like I like I remember. Um, in my first year when I first did it with the Ottawa Black Bears, I was kind of nervous because I heard a lot of, like I said, <laughs> Ottawa Black Bears weren't the greatest. But um, for me, that was a huge opportunity to learn the physical side of the game. Um, at the time, it was one-arm tackling, but the Americans actually know how to tackle. Like, if you watch, if you get a chance to watch American Quidditch at the collegiate level versus, like, Canadian Quidditch, it's, like, nothing against Canadian Quidditch, but it's, it's so much more physical. It's way faster oftentimes um and that's because they're it just i think it's just the the nature of um sport in america they're generally a lot more physical uh and the canadians are kind of too nice uh but uh <laughs> no if you get it it's, it's i think being able to play mlq with those americans who have even though like because mlq is now two-arm tackling but learning how to hit properly learning how to take a hit properly learning how to drive through contact it's those are all things that are kind of especially for new players coming into uh, footage uh, it's a great opportunity to learn. So if, if, if not through the fall and winter league of uh, QC, definitely reaching out to uh, Toronto Raiders and then uh, in Ottawa, the Ottawa Blackbirds to uh, get started there. Sounds good. So any listeners who are interested in getting into Quidditch or just learning more about the sport, uh, you can reach out to the MLQ or your university league and... Yeah, and we'll have lots of videos in the description below for you to check out the sport and just get to know more about it. Um, yeah, I think I'll just add quickly, like, first of all, thank you guys for, like, letting people know how to um, get involved. Like, even for myself, like, I go to school in Vancouver at UBC. I know that we do have a team. Like, that's definitely something I'll check out. Um, as an ex-football player, like, with the full contact is really intriguing. It's really interesting. So um, definitely something that is growing. Uh, especially in North America. Um, I guess if you guys want to give like your final thoughts on everything and then SESO will probably wrap it up. Yeah, I, I think it's a great sport. Um, I think it's really, the inclusivity of it and the community around it is absolutely phenomenal. And I think it's it's one of a kind. I've played and Nate and Gabe and like we've played the whole, the whole span of sports. I think we have the whole checklist almost covered beyond a few. But, like, I think it's, it's one of a kind. It's anyone can play. Everyone's invited. 
it's challenging, but it's still like doable. It's it's the whole package of everything you kind of want. And I think the people are great, the, the sport's great, and it's really trending in the right direction the way you want to see going forward. Yeah, like for me, like um, I guess putting the sport aspect, like the, the on-pitch gameplay aspect aside, like you definitely have a community of um, very inclusive people um, coming from different backgrounds, not just in sports, but just like ethnicities, um, cultures. Just to be able to like play Quidditch together, it's pretty fun, um, enjoyable experience. Um, you kind of just have like friendships that kind of last a lifetime that you start off when you first start playing. Um, so for me, like definitely like camaraderie and just kind of the social aspect of the game as well has definitely been um, a good part of uh, being part of Quidditch for the five years I've been a part of it now. So. Yeah, I would say, like, uh, I've kind of, like, adopted as my own quote is, um, and it, it kind of applies to any sport, is, like, the sport intrigues you, but the community keeps you involved. Um, I think, like, what Brian was saying, like, it was kind of saying as well, is just, like, you're, like you said, you're playing, you're playing with a stick between your legs, and oftentimes it gets that, like, Harry Potter bad rap, if you will. Um, but it just takes one, like, one tryout. Uh, that's what I always tell people. Well, people laugh and say, oh, it's, it's Quidditch, oh, it's, it's Harry Potter, or whatever, and I always say, until you've tried it, until you've played one time, I won't necessarily listen to what you're saying about the sport because you don't know what it's like. But if you try the sport and then you decide, I don't like it, then that's great. But that's what we're just trying to advocate is just give it a try. You never know. Like I said, I, I when I first did it, and that's what I always kind of preach when I'm trying to recruit new players, players that I come from kind of competitive backgrounds and pretty much anywhere, like what I'm saying. Like it's quite just such a inclusive sport, which is great about it. Um, but until you try the sport, you never know. Um, and then, like they were saying, like just the community, the community that Quidditch has kind of created is it's so it's so unique. It's not even like we said we compare it to Ultimate Frisbee a lot of times, and I've never played personally, but I've heard heard stories about Ultimate Frisbee. It's just you, there's no there's no there's no there's no sport to compare the community which um, kind of creates to. So I think it's like I said, the sport kind of gets you intrigued, and then once you actually try the sport and you decide if you like it or not, the, the community will definitely keep you involved. Like it has us three, so. I think also if you ever want to look for a sport where you think, hey, I wonder if I can play at the world's highest level, that's Quidditch. Me and Nate, you have two people who literally play for Team Canada or play for Team Canada. And like, we've only picked it up a couple years before that. And now we're playing at like the highest level, like against countries across the world. And like, I, I can't think of another sport that, where that's possible. Yeah, and even playing with like playing in the summer league, like it gives you opportunities to like travel. Uh, after the days, like able to, being able to travel to, like, to New York, to New York, um, Boston. Um, on our way to Wisconsin for the championships a couple years ago, we were able to stop through Chicago and kind of have um, my first experience of Chicago deep dish. So like just having like those kind of um, that's what I'm looking for um, experiences, um, stories to tell, sort of thing. Um, it's definitely another um, fun element um, being a part of the Quidditch community in that regard as well one quick point that I throw in there before we wrap up um, <laughs> in terms of like experiences and like traveling I remember um, she came to me <laughs> just be careful when you travel to the States because food there is very expensive I remember we went on <laughs> a road trip to a diner in the US and it was probably the most awkward like like eating experience I've ever had so we just had a weekend of Quidditch um, it was just a Saturday and we kind of went out like downtown New York it was super cool went to this diner and it was like a typical like you know like 
burger diner or whatever at least we thought i remember nate ended up getting like a like five dollar drink i swear it was probably this big and five dollar iced tea lemonade it was like yeah it was something crazy like that and it just <laughs> we ended up getting the final bill and they're very particular about tips down there in the states <laughs> so we all kind of there's more like 20 of us there they would just kind of like pool their money in together and <laughs> the bill was like one more expensive than we were kind of expecting for a burger and fries yeah. but uh so they just pro tip just make sure you bring money when you go down the states like we're all poor, poor students, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, just, just be careful when you travel down there. Oh, man. <laughs> Stories galore. We got, we got plenty yeah. to go around. Yeah. yeah so we'll might have to make a, another special podcast just with all the stories you guys have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. We need to other people. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, though. You guys are welcome anytime. Thank you guys so much for, like, popping in and just talking a little bit about Quidditch for our listeners. And hopefully you guys got a lot out of it. And be sure to check out the CQQC guys below in the link. And I've linked their YouTube channel. And I've also added some videos that they some highlight videos as well as some intro videos about Quidditch in the description below so be sure to check those out and yeah so thank you guys so much for coming and thank you well not like actually coming (laughs) we're all in our houses but uh thank you to Savannah as well for setting this whole thing up and yeah be sure to check out the CQQC guys on YouTube and be sure to follow us at what's the play 12 on Twitter and at what's underscore the play 12 on Instagram and be sure to stay up to date with our content and we hope your quarantine goes well and we'll see you next time <laughs>